You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. Today, I want to introduce a friend of mine, an industry veteran, master trainer, content creator, author of several books, show off, of numerous articles, and he's the host of All About Fitness podcast. Welcome, my friend and colleague, Pete McCall. What's up, Pete? Well, thank you, Rick. That was great. But the thing is, for your announcement, you you won the award, but but they left the lead. They dropped the lead. You're now the personal trainer of the year for Idea. So that was such a, that was such a <laughs> cool thing to see at the last year. For so for listeners, Rick was acknowledged as the what 2021 or 2022 personal trainer of the year. I'm not sure how idea it was 2022 yeah. personal trainer of the year at the recent idea world convention. So that's honestly, congratulations, man. That's a huge accomplishment. Um, and it's so cool going back that we've known each other a little bit of time, a little bit of time. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. So, uh, my, so I've been in the fitness industry. So I started in 2002, February of 2002. And I think that that you've got me by a few years from when you started in the fitness industry. I actually did. Yeah. When I, when I first earned my, my, earned my first certification and actually I kind of did something backwards. I started in management. Then I went to training because as a manager, I knew I got a salary and ultimately I wanted to become a full-time personal trainer. So I used the manager's salary to stock up my business as a personal trainer and, and also learn how to teach group fitness classes. So I did that backwards. Brilliant. But my, I, my career started when the years had a one and a nine in it. So I started working full time <laughs> in the industry in 1998. So that that's how long back. So for people out there listening, yes, they, we did have gyms when the years had a one and a nine and they did look uh, completely different. And and that's that's one thing that I point out, though, when, when I work with young professionals and the thing I do now, actually, Rick, that that's not on there. And thank you for showing that is I'm the director of education for EOS Fitness. And EOS is really this has really been a, it's been a fun job, Rick. And, and when I do it, when I do it, sometimes I think back to when we were personal trainers yeah. back working the floor because it really is. It's kind of hard. hard it's, it's getting back into that passion I had for being on the floor and just feeling the energy of the fitness floor throughout the day. Yeah. So we, so we started, we actually know each other guys because um, uh, we were personal trainers. We worked for a company. The The parent company was TSI and we would teach these exercise science and sometimes business courses for all the new personal trainers that were coming into the company. So at the time they had something like 130 clubs, maybe more. And you, you were in Washington, D.C., uh, and you were also in Boston. So I think you, you kind of switched different well, areas. I'd stayed in New York the entire time. Well, when I was in Washington, I was with TSI. That was our former okay. company. You're at New York Sports Clubs. I was in Washington Sports Clubs. And I used to bounce between Washington, Philadelphia, and, and New York. And then when I moved up to Boston, Boston is when I took the job as director of education for a company called Millennium Partners. Millennium Partners yes. had bought a chain of health clubs called the Sports Club LA. Equinox bought those about a decade ago. So I managed, it, it was funny, Rick, because I was a director of education. We had clubs, Rick, we had clubs in four seasons in Ritz-Carlton hotels. Now my health club, we're, we're my health club now, EOS, we are high value, low price. So we're in a slightly different business model. So 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was working for a health club company where we had Bentleys parked out front. 
Now I'm working for a health club company where we're in the same mini mall as like a Subway sandwich shop, a wig yeah. store and, and auto parts stores. But here's what I love about that, Rick. Here, here's yeah. what I absolutely love about that is when I was working in Boston for the Sports Club LA, it bothered me that I was working for a company that was so elitist that that had the membership was about $200 a month. And this was 15 years ago. And what I really like about Yoast Fitness is our memberships are about 20 something dollars a month. So we are making fitness more oh. affordable. And that that to me, but but that's been one of the big things that's changed throughout our career, Rick, is when we yeah. look at what we've done over the last 20 years, is there are so many different ways to do fitness there than there were 20 years ago. Yeah, life, life, the way it, it has all changed, that's for sure. The the different kind of sector and like different sectors, but like we different populations, right? So and and I agree with that. There's a lot to be said for the people that are charging the high prices. But then when you can shift over and say, how accessible can we make fitness? I think there's a lot of value in that. And that's where you see these gyms that are popping up that that can affect really a lot more people by charging lower prices and then they make their money off of volume. I'm all about it. I think that there's a something out there for everyone and you just got to find your tribe and how you fit in and what works for you. Well, the real exciting part though, is I think the real exciting part is we're now at the point of, we are starting to recognize that exercise isn't just about vanity. Exercise isn't just about appearance. And now Rick, you and I have known for years and, and as educators, you and I ha have preached this for years. And, but it's now, I don't know what the outside market forces are. And frankly, I don't care because we're getting there, but yeah. I think we're now at the point where exercise isn't so much about the six pack abs exercise isn't as much about having the perfect body. I think we're now at the point and correct me if I'm wrong, or I'd be, be interested in what you see, Rick, but I think we're at the point of where we're starting to recognize that exercise really is an important component of wellness and an important just component of having a healthy life overall. Do you think we've, do you feel a sense that we've turned that corner as well? Am I, or am I wrong in that? Yeah, I wonder about that. So as you were talking about it, I was like, are, do we see it that way because we're now 20 years later? Because I you know, for, for young yeah. people coming into it, they're working out, they want the thighs, they want the guns, they want the glutes, they want the abs. Um, and, and really, that kind of goes back to something you said earlier, which is I don't care how you get there. So if you're working out and you're getting healthier, your goal is vanity. Just the happy byproduct is that you're doing things better for your overall health and wellness. So I'm happy about that. But I do think that I think one is because of our age and we're starting to now focus on uh, wellness. We're starting to really look at health as we're starting to, to, to age. But then I think the industry, I think you're right. I, there's a lot more information within the industry that is guiding attention towards working with special populations, working within the realm of wellness. Like NASM just launched their wellness coaching course that that's a valuable part of what we can do within the industry that we're in. So I, I think that some of it's age related, but I think also the the industry is gearing up towards not just focusing on, you know, biceps, but paying attention to what's going on in the overall wellness of things. 
Well, I love the way you say that, Rick, because actually one of the things, and I don't know if this is why NASM reached out to me to, for us to have this conversation, because one of the things that, that I'm actually speaking with the organization about um, as the director of education for a health club company is looking at how do we leverage what NASM has been doing with education? Because what, looking at it from my point of view, Rick, looking at it from my seat, my responsibility is I have more than 800 personal trainers. I look at it as I'm the strength coach. The personal trainers are the athletes. Their individual mm. managers, their, their club managers are like their position coaches and their head coaches, right? Telling them yeah. how to run the plays. My job as director of education is to give my, my trainers, give quote unquote my trainers, give my teammates the ability to go out there and be successful on the field. In this case, um, in this case, the field being the gym floor. So that, that's really what I enjoy about, about my position. And so what I've been doing, Rick, is I've been looking at different education resources is I've actually been starting to lean really heavy on NASM because NASM has a lot of the solutions that I'm looking for, for our personal trainers. That's fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Pete McCall. Pete McCall is with us and he is uh, is a master trainer. He has been in the industry for a while, and he and I were colleagues for a long time. I also want to shout this out because you were colleagues for a long time with one of my favorite people in the fitness industry, Fabio Camana. So what was that like? <laughs> well, Fa no, I'm lucky, man. I mean, look, I... I we are we, we are held by what's the phrase? I'm gonna mess it up here. Maybe you can correct me, Rick. But you look around at who you surround yourself with. And I've been extremely lucky to have been working with people like yourself to have been working with people like Fabio. Um, and and Fabio is somebody that I worked with at a different organization. And here's the thing we connected via rugby. And and for people that may yeah. may or may not have played rugby is, is rugby is probably one of the best fraternity sports in the world. Meaning I can go to any, and I have, I've been in a number of different countries around the world. I, I was in Shanghai, Rick, in 2014, I was in Shanghai after doing the Nike super show and I was leaving the next day on a flight. And I, I was like, okay, what am I going to do at night? And it was during the suit, it was during the six nations rugby tournament. Well, I found a pub that was showing the six nations tournament. And next thing I know I'm there till four in the morning watching rugby with a bunch of guys from Scotland and a bunch of guys from Ireland. Well, it was just the way the time, it was just the way the time zones, because China is ahead of, of, um, of the UK, of the Commonwealth countries. But being international, I was able to connect via rugby. So that's how Fabio and I connected. Fabio played elite, um, elite level rugby. I played elite level rugby. Um, and obviously you need a little bit of fitness to be decent on the rugby pitch. And working with Fabio, Fabio really is, for people that have not taken a course with Fabio, or done any education with Fabio, he really, Rick, is one of the, the smartest people in the industry. He blows me away by his 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 recall, his application. I mean, what do you think? You probably have conversations with him. What, what's your reaction when you speak with Mr. Kavana? He's the guy that if if there's a if I'm at a conference, because that's usually where I see him, even though we're we're both employees of NASM, I don't see him unless I go to conferences. But he's the guy that if he's at a conference, like like he and uh, Dr. Lynn Kravitz, like those are those are people that if they're at a conference speaking, then I try to open my schedule up so I can go and listen to them talk. Like those are those are the brain. It's not just their brains; it's their ability to communicate the information. So they're really smart people. But these people are really smart, and how they relay content is so accessible. It's generally very enjoyable. And, and I just, I'm in awe of people that 
that have brains that big, but then also have the ability to relate it that well to people. Well, but the names you just mentioned, Rick, I think it's interesting. When you look at the names you mentioned, Len Kravis and Fabio Kamana, they're both professors. I mean, they both teach at college. So every yeah. year, they how many people do they have in front of them? That they, they Hopefully, they are good at engaging and explaining exercise science, right? And doing it in an engaging way because that is their job. But I say that, and I say that for listeners, because if you go see Len Kravitz at, at a conference, you go or you go see Fabio give a lecture, be prepared to take notes like you're in a college lecture because that's what you're stepping into. They're they're yeah. giving you they're going to be giving you like an eighty to ninety minute lecture at the college level about whatever topic they're they're talking about. Yeah, and it, and it's worth it, even if even if some of it goes over the head, which for me still I'm like what. <laughs> but but it is so fun to to be a part of that and to you know sit at the feet of the masters and and listen to them listen to them talk. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about just fitness stuff. Can we talk stuff. just for a few minutes about fitnessy things like resistance training? cardio respiratory training and maybe even flexibility thing. I mean, I'm talking like this is big picture big stuff. stuff. Big. Well, let, let's, but let's actually, so let's dial that down a little bit because you said very earlier, you said earlier and you're very gracious in it that, that I've been writing books and, and what you don't know, Rick, is I just finished my third book on recovery, recovery from exercise. So it's now all the, all the chapters are done. Now I'm going to be going through editing revisions, but I'm going through deep and, and it took me a little bit longer than I thought because for listeners, recovery isn't just resting after you work out, right? It's not. What it, I mean, there are multiple layers, right, of recovery. Rick, how do you how do you describe recovery? I know you have a lot of experience in that area, but why? How do you describe the benefits of what we should be doing after the workout? I, I think the best way that I generally describe recovery is getting back to where you were before you needed recovery. So what's your what's your homeostasis? Uh, can can we get to a place where we were feeling good and then we worked out and now our ability to produce and um, to to how we feel our our uh, ability to I don't know reduce forces our ability to not ache so much the the sore muscles where is where is uh, regeneration and recovery and that's really getting back to where we were before we engaged in this bout of physical activity. But you're so right about that, Rick. And I think that's what so many people, but, and I've been going down the recovery path for a number of years, and we've talked about this offline a number of times. And because a number of years ago, I saw the benefits of high intensity exercise, not only see, but you read the research on the benefits of high intensity exercise, but we have to understand that yes, high intensity exercise is good, but it disrupts homeostasis. And we have to help the body get back to homeostasis in order to help the body recover and adapt to exercise. So it's not just enough to plan the workout, but we have to be thinking about what clients are doing after the workout that's so critical. I mean, isn't it because because Rick, I think it's about if if you and I get done with the workout and you're my client, I got to tell you, hey, Rick, this is what you should be doing. This is the, the hydration you should have. This is when you should be eating food to refuel. This is when you, the amount of sleep you should be trying to get tonight to totally recharge your batteries, you know, because this ties into the strength training, the the cardio training, the the mobility training. It all builds around structure and recovery. I mean that that's a whole that's that's the other thing that's changed, Rick. About about our during our time of our career 
is we take, we might call it a more holistic view of programming, but we now understand, and then maybe it's because of, of the length of experience we have, we now understand we can't just give somebody a, a workout, but we have to tell them what to do afterwards to make it in order so it have the greatest effect. Yeah, it reminds me, I have a, a friend of mine named Jordan, and when Jordan would finish training somebody and they'd start to walk out the door, my friend Jordan would go, remember, now is when the workout really begins. And that was after the workout was over. So I knew what he was saying, though. I knew what he was saying is that the benefits of that workout start after the workout is complete. The benefits come from the recovery. The benefits come when, you know, you deplete your sources and and then you build them back up and they build up stronger because that's kind of the goal, right? We take the system down and we come back a little bit stronger than we were before. We come back a little I, bit. Actually, Rick, we Rick, I, I liked, I, I never thought about that before, but I'm, gonna t I'm yeah. sorry to cut in on you. Do but it. I like that because what we are doing, I mean, think about a computer network, right? In order to make a computer network stronger, what do you need to do? You need to take it offline. You need to, to switch out the routers. I don't, I don't know computer networks that well. Right. But if you that sounded all made up, but it sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like it should be happening. But with right. a computer network, right, you might take the network offline, replace the routers, replace the, the heavy pieces. But then when you bring the computer network back online, you now have a faster, more powerful network. That, in essence, is exactly what we do to the muscles. And this, yeah. for, for, for you listening out there, this is why recovery is so important. You can't just have a great workout and be like, okay, yeah, go on about your day. It's we are damaging and stressing muscles in the body. It's what we do after that period that really has a significant impact on, on whether or not that stress has an effect. I mean, how do you start hearing that more, from, Rick? Do you start hearing people talk about recovery or ask about what they should be doing after the workout more? A, a lot more. I th I think that you know people are very interested in recovery now when it wasn't really a big deal before. I, you know, we talked about this before as well. You and I together. I've talked about it on the show before. Like the lack of sleep used to be a badge of honor, where people were like, "Oh, I only got four hours of sleep, and and I'm back to work, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm here." And now people are like, you know, I'm only four hours of sleep, and everybody are like, "Whoa." Whoa, you yeah. you should really like, try to get more. Did they go like what's your whoop score? Like what's your you know yes. what's your HRV? I mean we had we now, but now no, we now understand, but that's the thing. Now it's not like oh, I only got four hours of sleep last night. Now it's like, oh, I got seven and a half hours of sleep and my whoop score is you know, whatever. So there yeah. is a much greater awareness. And the thing is, we are now tying in that awareness to performance, right? Yeah. I think Brenda Marcello who talks about recovery said this. If you and I athletes are sorry, Rick. If you and I are athletes on the same team, say you and I are both cornerbacks playing for the New York Jets. Why do we want to do that to ourselves? I don't know. But say we both got contracts to play for the New York Jets as cornerbacks. You and I could be doing the same workouts. We could be doing the same, the same practices. But if I'm only sleeping six hours a night and you're sleeping eight hours a night, you're probably going to be playing much better on the field on Sundays than I am just because you have more sleep and you have more chance for your tissues and everything to become stronger while you sleep. Have you heard that before? Have you heard of, of, of that kind of statistic? Yeah, uh, and, and I wanna speak to it in a different way. So I have a buddy of mine that, that does a lot of work with NBA athletes. And, and he says, you know, I can, I can get their ankle moving better. 
I can get their low back and an SI joint and all this stuff. He was like, orthopedically, I can get them in a good place. But the problem is these guys are 19 years old, 20, 22, 23 years old. They're young generally. And they stay up all night playing Xbox. And they have a hard time getting to sleep and a hard time shaking some of these feelings. So when they, we talk about recovery for some people, they get really good recovery in some ways, Pete, but not in other ways. And so huh. I think it's good to show that there's a spectrum of recovery and that you can go after the things that you know you can tick off the list, right? And then some things for some people are just harder to make happen. And that's something that we want to support, not guilt, not, you know, you only got four hours. What's up with that? You know, nothing like that. It's just how can we support people to help them try to identify where those trouble spots are in their recovery? But that but that's where doing stuff like that's where as as personal trainers go through their career, doing stuff like taking education on behavior change, because yeah. if I do the behavior change specialist, Rick, then I know how to coach you on can you add this to your, you know, can you add 10 minutes of this at home? Can we add this? How does that feel? Do you feel how that makes a difference? Next thing you know, you're doing 10 to 15 minutes of hypervolt of using the hypervolt before you go to bed every night. That's the type, but because we, we yeah. coach the behavior change process, we coach you through that behavior change process. You now are incorporating that into your system. But I, I point that out because that's not something that would have occurred to me as a trainer in my first two or three years of my career oh, is no. how that all comes together. But Never. now understanding it, it's like, okay, if I understand, if I, if I, if I want to really engage my clients, whether it's a strength workout or a cardio workout, or even help them to become more, mo more, more mobile, more flexible, I right. first need to know how to coach behavior change. I first need to know how to engage them. I first need to know how to help them move, towards healthier habits right because i mean this is right isn't that something that we yeah. overlook we don't think of when we're young when we're young it's like hey i love to exercise you must love exercise let's go exercise yeah. right? we don't think about all those other things it's not just exercise yeah i mean people come in with their own stories right there there are no clean slates at this point so when we work with people they've had some experience some good some bad around different types of exercise. So they may have good experiences around cardio, but bad experience around resistance training. They may have good experiences around group fitness, bad experiences around one-on-one -on -one personal training. They may have good experiences when it comes to different modalities, but a bad experience when it comes to others. So we have to learn from them what works and then I think where we lose track sometimes, Pete, is that we don't ask them what they can do, what they like to do, what, mm -hmm. where, where are you coming from? And we have to understand where they're coming from before we can create any direction on where to go because of those experiences. And if, if I take somebody's experience and it's a bad experience, and then I start to deliver a similar thing that they already don't like, then then now they don't they dislike me and they don't trust me because I'm just another one of those people. I'm another one of those trainers that don't listen. Another one of those trainers that that like you said, I, I don't know what we're talking about, but I like this, so you'll like it too. So well, it's funny you say I, that because you, you go from there. As, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about one of the one of the personal trainers that that you know how these guys are in the gyms. 
I love going into this one gym. I love going into, into our Oceanside gym because I know I'm going to see Roger there. And Roger always, always has a smile on his face. Now, he's it. a little bit older. He's, he's yeah. about our age. And I say older, meaning he's about our age. I think he's early, mid-50s. So whatever, whatever, whatever his age is. But what he's been around the block enough, but he's professional enough. When I was talking to him one time, Rick, what he said, he's like, I take the time to get to know my clients and I get, I listen to what they're telling me, you know, cause yeah. I was asking him like, how do you know, what's your process? How do you do this? And he goes, he goes, man, it's nothing. It's, it's nothing hard. I just, I listen to my clients and I take the time to apply what they're telling me. And it's because I think, and I say that I, the reason why I gave his age is, is I think sometimes, cause I did this, I made this mistake a lot when I was younger. It's like, I know exercise, let me make you exercise. When a lot of times with our clients, it's not the exercise, it's the human connection. It, it's establishing that human connection. It's having somebody that's going to listen to me. It's having somebody that's going to validate me. It's having somebody tell me that, you know what, Rick, it's going to be okay today, right? It's going to be okay. Your, your back might hurt a little bit. Your shoulder might hurt a little bit, but you know what? I can help you move and it's going to be okay. And I think that's one of the benefits. I'm going to say this up front. That's one of the benefits about those of us, not who just who've been in the industry for a number of years, but who have a few more years of experience, living experience, is we know how to slow down and make that connection in real life and not just jump right into something, right? I, I didn't even think about that, but, but that is because we know how to, let's make a connection and then, right? Because if you think about everything we've done in this modern era, we usually just jump right in. We hit the app, we go, we hit the app, we go. And we have to remember when we're dealing with human beings, we're dealing with people in a gym environment, we're dealing with somebody in very vulnerable emotional state. So sometimes we need to invest the time connecting with them first before we ask them to do any activity. I love that. Let me ask a question when it comes to this, because I know that you are a big fan, as you've already mentioned, of the high intensity interval training. You've written a book on it called Ageless Intensity. My question to you is, how do you get some people that, uh, and maybe even an older population, to get a buy-in to go into doing higher intensity exercises when that may not be something they've ever considered before? That, that's a, and, and Rick, that's exactly why I wrote the book, right? It mm -hmm. is because we've always been told that as we, as we get older, we shouldn't exercise that hard. Well, you and I, Rick, have, are, we've grown up in like the first generation who's grown up with fitness. People between the ages of 50 and 60 right now, I just turned 50. So people the age between the ages of 50 and maybe in their early 60s, this is the first generation who has literally grown up exercising throughout their entire lifespan. And, and what I, the reason why I'm saying that is because there's a lot we don't know about how exercise affects the aging process. Cause I don't know if you remember this 20 years ago, Rick, when, when we first started training, it was like, you know, do the, do the max heart rate formula, do the carbonin formula. Okay. Don't let their heart rate get up near this. And I would do that. And I'd have people in their fifties go, I feel fine. I can be at 155 beats a minute yeah. and I feel fine. And I'm right. sitting there, this says, this says you're going to die. You know, this says this is the max heart rate formula. <laughs> I know. But, but, it, but that's when it occurred to me that what we know about exercise and aging is incomplete because we just don't have the data sets. So we can look in the gym. I just worked out. I mean, we're re-recording re this. It's a little bit before 10 a.m. on the West Coast. And I worked out, I was at 24 Hour Fitness just across the street from my apartment. 
I'm pointing like you can see the 24 hour fitness from my place, but <laughs> I was at the 24 hour fitness. And the thing is when you go in there this time of morning in my area, it's mostly people over the age of 50 and, and what exercise does as we age and especially high intensity exercise does is there's something called mechanotransduction. Mechanotransduction means mechanical force creates chemical change. So I'll say that again. Mechanotransduction means mechanical force creates chemical change. So Rick, every time that you and I are lifting weights, every time that we're doing exercise, that mechanical force into our body is stimulating satellite cells. It's stimulating certain hormones, and that's creating new tissue production, right? High-intensity exercise is more effective than low to moderate intensity exercise doing that. And here's another thing is high intensity exercise uses carbohydrate metabolism. Rick, if you and I are doing a strength training workout or we're doing a HIIT workout, we're going to be metabolizing carbohydrate primarily without oxygen. That uses different enzymes, it uses different hormones, and that helps our body be more efficient and metabolizing energy. That's critical as we get into our 60s and 70s. Right. Because even if we exercise, even if we walk and do yoga and do lower intensity exercise, lower intensity exercise is aerobic metabolism. That's primarily fat lipolysis, fatty acid metabolism, right? At lower intensity. Like right now, Rick, you and I are, are, are talking. This is fatty acid oxidation. But if we want to become much more efficient at converting carbohydrate to fuel, we need to go high intensity. And that also produces growth hormone that produces testosterone that produces BDNF. Lower modern intensity exercises just does not have the same response in the body. So all that to say, I know it's a long way to get there, but as we get old, don't be afraid of picking up a heavy weight. Don't be afraid of getting out of breath because it, we need to stimulate the system. We need to stimulate all the systems in our body. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Pete McCall. He is an industry veteran, a master trainer, and the host of the All About Fitness podcast. It's a very good podcast, by the way, so I recommend that. Check out Pete McCall there. And then also, Pete's written several books. He's talked about two of them. He's gotten one. He's got one on recovery that he's he's wrapping up. Congratulations on that. It hasn't been uh, sent to press yet. But he's got another one on high intensity interval training. I think it's called Ageless Intensity. Is that right? Ageless Intensity. And then my first one is Smarter Workouts. Uh, Smarter Workouts. I go through the science of how to how to design exercise programs. Um, Ageless Intensity is the science. Ageless Intensity here. Yeah, it's funny how I have them right here by the camera. Huh, it's strange. It's funny how that works. But yeah. Ageless Intensity really, um, be, because I think the story needs to be told, Rick, that as we get older. And it's not that every workout needs to be high intensity, but as we age, two or three workouts a week should make us sweaty. It should make us out of breath as we get into our 50s and 60s. So tell you what, I just turned 50 a couple of weeks ago. I'll be the test case. So I'll be, I'll let you, I'll let you guys, I'll keep doing this and uh, I'll let you guys know. Uh, let, you know and, and just on that note, I'm down at below 200 pounds for the first time in a while. I let myself, you know, I never really focused on, What's funny, Rick, is I've never really focused on my appearance before. I've always trained just to be fit, trained to be healthy. And I, I never really cared about I, I didn't, you know, but I have to tell you, man, I don't I don't know if you remember being in our in our late 20s, early 30s, when all those corporate people would, would come into the gym I, and I'd look at them and they go, oh, they got a little belly. So now that I'm one of those corporate people, now that I'm one of those senior people, gray haired people walking <laughs> into the gym and I know I'm going to have a bunch of 20 something personal trainers looking at me. I cannot tell you 
how motivating that is. So when I was turning 50 yeah. this year, my, my goal was to be back down below what I weighed at 25. So between having to walk into a gym full of 25 year old personal trainers and turning 50, my goal this summer was to get that back down below 200. And, and the cool thing was I was able to hit that. Oh, very nice, man. A adding in some of those high intensity interval training workouts you were talking about. No, of course. But that's the fun thing, right? Is, yeah. is we teach this stuff. And don't you do that every now and then? Don't you put yourself through like a little training program? Just like I teach this. I might as well see if it works. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Just uh, the other day, my business partner and I, we were like, all right, pull the rowers out. We're going to do 10 sets of 10, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off on the on the rower, the concept two. And, you know, my my goal was to hit like 140 meters. I think his was to hit uh, 160 or 165, oh, wow. something like that. In yeah, uh, I mean, he's better at it than I am. And he's a bigger, more muscular person. So he gets a lot more meters out of every push off of that. Uh, but you know, 10 sets, 10 sets of 10, you know what I love I, about yeah. it? It's over in 10 minutes that, you know what, the funny thing, I don't want to say the funny thing, but that is, that is some of the research that people have, have, have shown on hit training and high intensity training. It's like, you know what, it was hard, but I know it's only going to be 10, 12, 15 minutes. I know I can do it for 10, yeah. 12, 15 minutes. And that's really where, as we get older, just have that mindset. Don't give up. Don't stop. Yeah. And I've done them before too, Pete, where I get into like, you know, I start getting into the intervals and I'm like, all right, I'm, let me go 15 rounds. Let me do 20 rounds. And at some point I was like, I hate this, right? Like I, I yeah. hate it. Like 15 rounds or 20 rounds and it was miserable. And I was like, just do 10 rounds, do 10 rounds. I, I, I mean, it's not fun while you're doing it, but there's a sense of pride when it's over that you push yourself that hard and then it's not to the point where I just make myself miserable by doing, you know, high number of really high intensity. Well, Rick, Rick, to that point, to that point, one of the things that, that I've evolved as I've gotten, I don't know if the term is older, or more mature or wiser, but yeah. just as I've gained more experience, that is the one thing that, that and I really want to want to share this with the fitness pros out there is we you don't need to go hard all the time with exercise. Right. You really don't. I mean, it's it's like we yes, high intensity exercise is good. I, I've written books on it. I, I lecture on it. But the fact of the matter is sometimes just moving. Rick, I don't know about you, but there are days when just going out for a 45 minute walk is absolutely the best exercise I need for that day. Right. There are days where I love it where I'm going to go do a hard 20 minute kettlebell workout. But there are also days where it's like, you know what, I'm going to go get warmed up in the gym and my body's going to go, you know what? Today's not the day. And, and then I'm going to ramp it down. I'm going to make it a mobility workout. And I might, you know, yeah. but, but, but I think the important, the important thing is exercise fitness is a long-term thing and we yeah. don't always need to go all out and we don't need to work to a point of this, of, of being in pain in order to have an effect in order to make it work for us. 100% true. Ladies and gentlemen, Pete McCall here with me. And uh, I, I want to say, Pete, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate, as always, having a conversation with you uh, fills my cup. So I appreciate that. Uh, can you let the people know where they can find you, social media, websites, the books, all that stuff? Well, yeah, thank you. And, and this is always, Rick, this is always fun. And, and one of the things I want to talk about before I get out of here is really what we're doing with EOS fitness, because we're doing some cool stuff. This is really the place I would have wanted to train. I'm well, what I'm trying to do is I want to try to make it the place where I would have wanted to be a personal trainer 
back in my late twenties, early thirties. And and I'm really, we are, they're giving me the license to do some really cool stuff. So for folks out there, if you're looking for a little change in your career, check out EOS fitness, Um, but all about fitness podcast. That's uh, if you're watching on video, I, I put that on hiatus, but I'm getting ready to relaunch that and get more guests out there. I have ageless intensity, smarter workouts. You can find those anywhere books are sold. Uh, but folks, the main thing is I just try to put out content. I support NASM quite a bit because I think NASM does great stuff, Rick. I mean, I mean that. I think the organization puts out great content. As a director of education, you make my job easier and you allow me to hopefully upskill and educate my personal trainers so we can go out there and make the world a little bit healthier place. Yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, can you let people know where they can find you on social as we start to close this out? Oh yeah. All, all about fitness, uh, all about fitness podcast on Instagram. So I do post, Hey, I posted my first workout video for the first time in a while the other day, but that's been the one of the nice things about taking a corporate job is like, Hey, I don't need to show my butt on social media as much. (laughs) But yeah, all about fitness podcast on social media, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an old corporate guy now. So I'm, I'm doing less and less of the exercise videos and more and more. I'm, I'm kind of just more life, life videos right now, but, but yeah. No, gotcha. And the best place for people, if they want to find your books, where's the best place for them to get those? Amazon. Yeah. Any, it, yeah. Right. Amazon's the best place. Uh, all is uh, smarter, smarter workouts and ages intensity. Amazon's probably the best resource for that. Fantastic. Pete, again, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. It's always great to see you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so on Instagram at dr.rickritchie, or you can hit me up on the email, rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep inspiring people to fitness. Thanks so much for being here. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.